Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, May 9th, 2021. The share ID numbers for Friday, May 7th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,902. That's 16902. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,903. That's 16903. This morning, A Vision for You presents Living Life on Life's Terms in the Fourth Dimension. The 12 steps serve a specific purpose through following the spiritual directions and working all 12 steps Program members do undergo a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening can be thought of as a new state of consciousness and being and as an awareness of a power greater than ourselves. The big book speaks of a transformation stemming from access to a source of strength, a power which before we had denied ourselves. It is this strength and power which allows us to develop emotional sobriety, resilience, and recovery, enabling us to live life on life's terms. The big book teaches that we are now living life on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role God assigns. The 12 steps and spiritual principles become the design of our lives. Life is still challenging and difficult at times. We still encounter speed bumps, but we now have adequate shock absorbers to smooth out the ride. We are, in reality, equipped with real tools. We are now living life on life's terms in the fourth dimension. We experience a sense of ease and comfort, resilience, and recovery through our trust, reliance, and dependency on God. Joining us this morning to share her experience about living life on life's terms in the fourth dimension is Lois P., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Lois is dedicated and enthusiastic about her spiritual path and growth, and it's with great pleasure and appreciation that I welcome Lois to the line this morning. Welcome to the line, Lois. Good morning, Leah. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. And good morning, everyone, on this beautiful Mother's Day. My name is Lois P., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. I would like to begin this morning, actually, with the end of my share. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 25, first and second paragraphs, it states, There is a solution. 
We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed to a fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. This is a promise, a sacred promise to each of us, offered by the chosen few, who I believe were struck by the lightning of divine providence, who became ordained vehicles for transmission of the big book and the 12 steps. That for me has become a stairway to heaven with God's help that I must climb every day. Yes, I have found a semblance of peace even among the greatest sorrow, a sense of peace one day at a time, providing I live in the 12 steps and help others to do so. Then it's facing life on life's terms, one day at a time without running away, numbing out with food or demanding life be otherwise. A complete psychic change is what, is what is called for in the big book if we are to recover. However, this was not how I lived or felt the majority of my life. For me, the abuse of food and therefore my body was a common theme throughout what appeared to be a normal life. Raised in a loving family in a safe suburban neighborhood where everyone knew one another, no one locked their doors and the neighborhood parents were parents to us all. My mother and father had a loving, devoted marriage, and my brother, sister, and I lived in a happy home. However, at age 12, I weighed 120 pounds, and our family doctor prescribed an amphetamine diet pill for me to take three times a day to curb my compulsive appetite and help me lose weight. As a result, my personality changed drastically. My grades slipped from A's to C's to D's. I had bouts of depression and hyperactivity and fights between my parents and myself became all too common. Life changed in our household. At 13, I knew I was responsible for destroying our happy home, but couldn't do anything about it. So from my earliest years, I carried the guilt and shame of being a fat child, of being different, always painfully standing out and being the cause of other people's upset or embarrassment. Once I was taken off the diet pills, my compulsive eating disorder resumed in full force. I became a compulsive overeater and dieter in college and subsequently a seriously addicted woman. Though I tampered with drugs in college, it was food or accurately sugar and simple carbohydrates fueling my addiction and guilt-ridden identity. I used food to calm my nerves, to soothe my disappointments, to hide my insecurities, fears, and resentments. But primarily, I used food to fill the hidden, pervasive emptiness I carried within me, covered over by a smiling face and friendly attitude. I was fine. Everything was okay. And life was good. All lies masking a terrible loneliness and sense of separation and quiet self-contempt lurking behind the facade. It didn't matter I had an education, good jobs, a husband, children, accolades from my community and business acquaintances. Only I knew how much I was suffering. 
With my life on the outside seeming normal, I was kept from true recovery in no way for almost 30 years because I never fully accepted step one. Yes, I was powerless over food, but my life did not appear unmanageable. Little did I know that living with resentment, fear, dishonesty, judgment, and self-will kept me bound to living in the third dimension, the painful dimension, where my only support was myself. Isn't this the way everyone lives? I believed in God, but wasn't it up to me to make or break my own life? And wouldn't my life be perfect if only I could master my food problems and lose weight? And oh yes, if everyone acted and everything happened exactly the way I wanted, wouldn't I then be happy? The answer to my questions is revealed in the big book, and I will be using references to the big book in more personal ways so I beg our big book scholars, for whom I have the greatest respect, to please bear with me. There is a solution, page 23 in the big book, quote, therefore the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. Page 62, how it works, quote, our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Continuing on page 62, quote, first of all, we had to quit playing God. How often do we believe if only things were different, if only others acted or thought the way we knew was best for them? Our husbands, wives, children, parents, bosses, friends, colleagues, pets, even weather. Then we would be happy. It is this deluded thinking and sense of self-righteousness ego and self-aggrandizement that kept me trapped in a state of irritability, content, discontent, fear, and profound separation from the one and only true source of peace. It is only now having found vision, working the 12 steps daily, acknowledging my innermost resentments and fears, judgments, and seeing them through the lens of a daily healing 10-step process with another person that I find true relief. I realize now in truth, my entire life had been unmanageable, proof of which I had to use a substance to make life bearable. Just being alive was more than I could handle without food. In truth, I was a lost soul, so blind to it. In the doctor's opinion of the big book, Dr. William Silkworth lets us know, quote, that the action of alcohol in my case, food and simple carbohydrates, is a manifestation, manifestation of an allergy that I had been overeating as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at the time. For me, eating what I wanted, whenever I wanted, in whatever quantity I wanted, was, I assumed, of my own willful and weak doing. On page 448 in the big book, quote, Alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower, end quote. And I now know mentally obsessing about what and when and how much I'm going to eat is a response to that allergy, this physical impairment I always blamed on myself. For me, prior to coming to vision, it was my fault, my weakness, physically and morally, it kept me repeatedly using food to manage almost every circumstance in life. 
However, it was listening to a vision meeting one day and being blessed by the outstretched hand and compassionate heart of a vision sponsor that I began over time to live in a new way of life. By sincerely acknowledging on a daily basis that I was truly powerless, did I begin to find, as described on page 55 in the big book, quote, the great reality deep down within. And I began to experience, quote, another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. I continued to see this way of being in my sponsor, and I hear it in the countless voices of those who have recovered from this spirit-killing delusion that we are in charge. Flight, spiritual liberation from this world, rising above our problems. Spiritual liberation from this world. Once and not too long ago, amazing and incomprehensible to me. Now, a practiced way of life with God's help. Living life on life's terms in the fourth dimension. Turning our will and life over to the greater presence I call God. Surrendering to whatever life presents with humility and acceptance, I have found to be the antidote, the remedy, and the alternative to living a life of self-will, fear, and food addiction. Earnestly working through the steps with a rock-solid intention is crucial to making the shift into the fourth dimension, where we will meet the gracious divine presence of our own understanding. Beginning with steps one, two, and three, and here I take liberty and will use words of my own experience, I surrender to the fact that my life had been unmanageable without use of a numbing substance, that only a power greater than myself can uplift and save me. And with an open, humble heart, I turn my will and my life over to that unfathomable power, seeking guidance and protection on a daily basis, often moment to moment. Steps four, five, and six help identify the emotional baggage, wrongdoings, and personal character flaws that stand in the way of my finding peace of mind. And admitting those to my creator, to myself, and to another human being, I must be entirely ready to change. In step seven, I humbly ask God to remove these obstacles. Steps eight, nine, and 10 provide the liberating opportunity to see where I may have harmed others made amends to all if possible without harm, and vigilantly continued to assess my behavior on a daily basis so as to, in steps 11 and 12, deepen my daily contact with the divine, to follow the divine will, and to help others find their way. The 12 steps are the path to new life, but only if we tread them daily. So what does this process of transformation look like? Page 60 in the big book, how it works, reads, the first requirement is that I be convinced that my life run on self-will is not successful. On that basis, I am almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives are good. I'm trying to live by self-propulsion. I'm like an actor who wants to run the whole show 
I'm forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in my own way. If my arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as, would do as I wished, the show would be great. Everybody, excluding, including myself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements as the actor, I'm sometimes quite virtuous. I may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, I may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, I am more likely to have varied traits. So what usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. I begin to think life doesn't treat me right. I decide to exert myself more. I become, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit me. Admitting I may be somewhat at fault, I am sure that other people are more to blame. I become angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is my basic trouble? Am I not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Am I not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things I want? And do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Am I not even in my best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? I, the actor, am self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. I'm like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged me. And the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever my protestations, am I not concerned with myself, my resentments, or my self-pity? Selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of my trouble. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, I step on the toes of my fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt me, seeming without provocation, but I invariably find that at some time in the past, I've made decisions based on self, which later placed me in a position to be hurt. So my troubles, I think, are basically of my own making. They arise out of myself, and I, a compulsive overeater and alcoholic, am an extreme example of self-will run riot, though I usually don't think so. Above everything else, I must be rid of this selfishness. I must, or it kills me. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without God's aid. I have moral and philosophical correct convictions galore, but I can't live up to them even though I would like to. Neither can I reduce my self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on my own power. I have to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, I have to quit playing God. Page 27, in speaking of the experiences of recovered alcoholics, quote, they appeared to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas and emotions which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men 
are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Who among us has not been awed by nature's beauty, the profound stillness in the woods, the rise and setting of the sun day after day, year after year upon decades, how the planets revolve around the sun and around each other in perfect synchronicity. The exact moment a baby is born or a loved one dies, haven't we wondered how vast migrations of land and sea animals happen yearly to places we may know nothing of? And how is it the beauty of summer flowers pass away into fall banquets of color then quietly into winter hibernation, only to rise again in the new life of spring. What lead do these processes follow? Do I have a hand in any of it? Again, the big book informs us on page 49 that these occurrences are, quote, governed by precise laws. And these laws hold true throughout the material world. It continues. Underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. For those blessed with recovery in a new life, in the chapter We Agnostics, page 50, quote, every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself and in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. End quote. And that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. If you are here in this meeting, you are meant to be. If you are starting on this path to a new life or nourishing the recovered life you have been given, rest assured, it is easier than you can imagine. First, we must admit to ourselves that we had been using food as a source of comfort and compulsively overeating to fill an emptiness in our soul only a relationship with a higher power can fill. This voyage into the fourth dimension is not meant to be a hardship or struggle or some might fear a punishment. Rather, it is like taking off a tight pair of shoes. It's becoming free from a confined, restricted way of life and thinking that has been suffocating our joy for perhaps a lifetime. But you must be genuinely tired, preferably exhausted from living that way. A complete collapse of self-will, any notion that you're going to follow the tenets of the vision program your way must be smashed. Otherwise, the chances for recovery dim. Don't waste any more of your precious life separate from God. Relax and let go of control. Live in the 12 steps. They are markers on the trees of your journey. You will be carried if you release yourself into the ocean of grace that supports this entire universe. This pristine state of consciousness cannot be reached through the mind, but through a pure and humble heart and through service to others. Despite what your mind may tell you, there is no need to worry. You are loved. You are protected. All is in perfect order. 
all is well. I would like to share two experiences I had that catapulted me into the fourth dimension, where thanks to this spiritual way of living, based on the teachings in the big book, I embraced utter powerlessness and surrendered to a process and power much greater than myself. Several weeks ago, it was raining while I was carrying heavy bags up the concrete steps to my condo, and I slipped. As I started to fall, time seemed to stop. There was a sense of eternity in that moment. I realized there was nothing I could do to prevent myself from falling, and a sense of absolute powerlessness filled my consciousness, bringing with it an incredible sense of freedom and peace. While the back of my head did hit the concrete step, surprisingly, the moment was absent of any fear. I felt entirely free. Thankfully, there was no concussion. After taking it easy and nursing a large bump for a week, I was fine. But that moment in eternity when I lived in a state of complete powerlessness and surrender was sublime. Every day, I remind myself to release control, let go, and trust in God. Another time, while swimming in the Atlantic Ocean, unknowingly, I swam out too far. As I looked back to shore, I could see the lifeguard standing on top of his chair, looking in my direction. I suddenly realized how far out I had gone and became gripped with fear. At that precise moment, an enormous wave rose behind my back. As it mounted higher and higher, I knew I was about to die. And I surrendered to my fate. I let go. My fear suddenly vanished. My body went limp as the wall of surging water enveloped me. I have no memory of what happened those next fateful minutes only to awaken to find myself flung onto the shore by a divine power that had carried me to safety. So please remember, despite what your mind will tell you, there is no need to worry. You are loved. You are protected. All is in order and all is well. That's all I have. Thank you all for being here with me today. And Leah, thank you again for giving me the opportunity to share. Leah? Thank you so much, Lois, for your beautiful presentation this morning. Faith-filled and powerful, bringing the big book text to life based on your personal experience. Thank you so very much. The share ID for this morning's presentation, 16,914. That's 16914. 
Lois's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We now have opportunities for question and answer with the speaker. You can do so by pressing star 1 to unmute. First letter of your last name. Loretta H. Loretta H. I hear you. Jody E. Jody E. Carmela G. Carmela. Mary A. Mary A. Anyone else with a question at this time? Dawn B. And Dawn B. Okay, let's get started with this group. I have Loretta H., Jody E., Carmela G., Mary A., and Dawn B. Let's begin with Loretta H., please. Questions only. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Lois. Oh, my God. Thank you for your experience, strength, and hope. And I also loved your digestion of the big book and your experience with it. My question is, what is your daily practice like from the moment you get up until the moment you rest at night? Okay. Thank you, Loretta, for that question. From from the minute I open my eyes, I say, good morning, God. And then when I'm up, I sit for about 20 minutes and I do prayer and meditation. I pray for everyone that I know and love and for everyone in general, for the world. And then I begin my day. I attend my morning vision meeting, which to me is my my boat to safety. I attend that meeting live every day, after which I speak to sponsees um, in the morning. Um, Then I go out for a walk in nature where I then connect very deeply to that greater beautiful presence in my life. When I come back, I have... um, the blessing of having sponsees in the afternoon, late in the afternoon that I also speak with. And then at night, after relaxing, before I go to bed, I say good night to my Lord. And that's my day. So thank you so much for that question. I hope that that helps. Thank you, Loretta. And next we have Jody E. Thank you, Leah. My name is Jody E. Gratefully recovering in Washington State today. Thank you, Lois, so much for a beautiful share. Hi, Jody. Hi. My question Our steps tell us to turn our will and our life over to the care of God and to pray only for will for us and the power to carry that out. The, in the big book, it says, um, We may pray for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. Do you, you you mentioned feeling contented. Do you ever wonder if you will 
experience things in your life that perhaps you've dreamed of experiencing but are have let go of because of this way of life or do you experience today things that you had hoped you might experience in life as a result of this way of life is that clear um jody can you thank you so much for the question um when you say that have i dreamed of things that i had in the past but now things are different um i'm not quite clear could you clarify yeah that, please? Yeah, uh, maybe I should um, say it this way. There's, I have always dreamed of um, living in the country, and I never have. Mm. And I'm almost afraid to pray for that mm. um, uh, because yeah. I want to pray only for knowledge of God's will for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you pray for things that you want, or do you simply follow this the direction of the 12 steps and see what happens. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Jody. That was a great interpretation. Thank you. Um, actually, at this point, um, I really do pray for whatever is best, whatever the whatever is the highest good for everyone. And that includes myself. I don't specifically pray for myself, but in the praying is the gift for me. In the loving others in the serving others and accepting whatever life comes is a gift to me so no i i no longer ask for specifics because those specifics i longed for in the past never brought me the happiness and the contentment that one day at a time i have now so um i i whatever comes i welcome it and i see it even though it may be a hardship, I see it as a gift from the divine presence to somehow give me something that is beyond my comprehension. So um, that's that's what's happening for me now. So Jody, I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Jody E. Carmela G. Good morning. Good morning, Leah, and good morning, Lois, and everyone on the line this morning, and thank you all for being here. Thank you, Lois, for your share. Um, my name is Carmela G., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive eater from New York as well. And my question is simply, how do you walk if you just give me a brief overview as to how you walk your sponsees through this journey to allow them to have uh, this trust and and live in the fourth dimension the way you have described. Mm. Thank you, Carmela. Thank you. That's a wonderful question. Well, um, I do use... Uh, a particular website. I know it's not OA approved, so um, but I have to be honest. You're asking the question. I, I use a um, uh, a website that has special editions that are recommended for each step for the sponsees to listen to. I've listened to these special edition talks on all of the steps, and we go through each step together 
in a combination of reading the big book and following the, um, the guidelines on this particular website. Um, we can talk about that more after the meeting if you'd like to stay on the line. But it's been very, very helpful because it, it has culled all of the wisdom and personal experiences of recovered compulsive overeaters that speak on special editions. And for each step, there are special editions relative to that step that are offered by specific recovered people and programs. And I find that extremely helpful. It gives us a focus on each step that expounds on the step through people's personal experiences. And then we read excerpts from the big book as well. And that seems to be uh, very helpful for most of my sponsees, if not all. Thank you for the question. I hope that answers it. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you Leah. Mm-hmm. Mary A., your turn. Star one to unmute Mary A. Thank you. This is Mary A. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Thank you, Lois, for your share. My question is, as you go through the day and emotions come up, strong emotions, how do you then connect with higher power to then get ease and comfort? Thanks. Wonderful question, Mary. Thank you so much. It's a perfect question. Um, During the day when I find myself either resenting someone or being angry, um, being frightened, having issues about anything that take me out of a state of peace of mind, at that moment I ask, God, please lift this from me. Please take this from me. However, then when I can, I call a fellow um, awayer, and I do a 10th step. Now, the 10th step is beautiful because it really does give us the opportunity to take a look at why are we resentful. We own it. We state it. We pray about it. And we share it with another human being. We find our character issues um, using a character defect list every day where I can see the things that are within myself that are bothering me, that are making me resentful, that are making me frightened or angry. So doing a 10th step daily is a way of cleaning the slate, even though at the moment when I'm, say I'm driving and someone cuts me off and my reaction is that I'm angry and upset, at that moment, God, please relieve me of this. And I immediately feel relief. Still, I take those feelings and I clear them by doing a 10 step every day. And that to me has been an incredible resource and uh, has become a foundation of recovery for me. So I hope that answers your question, Mary. Thank you, Mary A, for your question. Next, posing a question, Dawn B. Morning. Hello, Dawn. Good morning, Lois. That was a beautiful, beautiful presentation. Very spirit-filled. Goodness. Um, Thank you, Dawn. I have um, a question. I was wondering um, what you would say to the newcomer who is listening today, who um, just doesn't know, you know, 
struggling to put down the food and just starting their journey, um, what would you say to them today? Um, or what would you like them to know today that would be uh, especially helpful to the newcomer listening? Um, Great. And I, yeah, thank you. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Dawn. Please go ahead. Uh, and then I just had another question. I was wondering if you had learned something from your higher power that had surprised you in this new way of life that you're practicing hmm. with just something that you that might have surprised you that your higher power has taught you in this fourth dimension. Um, so that's it. Thank you. That's great. That's, those are wonderful questions, Dawn. Thank you. I'll do my best to answer them. So to the newcomer, I have to say um, every day I'm still a newcomer. Um, so just know you're in the right place. You've come home to people who understand you, to people who have suffered. I have suffered what you've suffered. Maybe not the exact details of your life, but I've suffered from that overwhelming compulsion that drives me continuously to food to handle my life. So just know that you're safe. You're where you belong. You're here. We're family. So the way I would suggest you get started is truly to listen to vision meetings. Um, they are at 7 a.m., I believe, Pacific time, or now maybe this is Eastern Standard Time, um, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and then the one I attend every morning is 10 a.m. in the morning. Eastern Standard Time. When you listen to the meetings, it's paragraph by paragraph, the big book is revealed. Paragraph, one paragraph at a time, every day, the truth of that paragraph and those teachings are revealed by people who will then share on that paragraph. And you will hear incredible stories of overcoming what you may be struggling with now. Um, you will hear great support and strength of people who have now been living in the state of the fourth dimension, who have been living in on a daily basis, a peaceful connection to life and to circumstances. So trust, it's really easier than you think. Um, we think of giving up the food as something painful. You're not giving up the food. You can choose your own food plan you can make it comfortable and healthy as long as there are no trigger foods that are going to send you into a binge. So in that case, you have to be honest. But you can work with a nutritionist or talk to a sponsor and come up with, you know, a really healthy plan that you like, foods that you enjoy eating. This is not a punishment. This is helping you transfer from a punishing life of using food as, as a drug to then using food for what it's meant to be, to nourish your body to help you feel strong and healthy and good. And then once that's done, the steps then take you to a whole other level of being yourself, of being connected to a greater self, to the greater power that is all. And um, truly just know that you are loved and you are safe here. And, you, and all you need to do is pick up the phone and listen to the meetings every day Give your name at the end when it's asked for newcomers to announce themselves. Give your, your name and your number, and people will call you. People will welcome you. 
It will be taken care of as long as you take the effort. You make the effort. You have to be ready. And as I, as, as I said, you have to be exhausted from doing it your own way. That is really the beginning of a real change in your life. So you have to be honest with yourself. And in terms of any surprises, uh, Dawn, that's an interesting question. I'm just so surprised how available this great connection to something greater than myself has always been. I always thought of God as something separate from myself, something out there that maybe one day, you know, if I go to heaven, if I'm a good person. But what's so surprising is that it's every moment you can live in heaven in this life. Every moment. This is a great awakening that has happened for me that every day, as long as I clear away the wreckage of those feelings that I expressed a little while ago, as long as I clear away all of those resentments, it's already here. This presence of profound peace, safety, knowing all is well, knowing I can rely on that power is the greatest surprise um, that I have felt in doing the steps and living in this program. So I thank you, Dawn, for those questions, and I hope that those answers were helpful. Yes, thank you, Dawn. Who else has a question for our speaker, Lois, this morning? Star one to unmute, please. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Mary B. Mary B. Sue B. Sue B. I'm sorry, I missed the last name. Shaukjoukje. Okay. Joka. Thank you. Who else? Anna S. Anna S. Star one to unmute. A great opportunity to pose a question to a recovered fellow. All right, well, let's begin with this group with Mary B. Hi, can I may I be heard? I hear you, Mary. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, good morning, Lois. Uh, Mary B. Here, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Thank you so much for your share today. The wording, the imagery was just astounding and, and the way you used the book. Uh, and so many wonderful questions have been asked, but I think I came up with something. What is it that you believe it is about, I'm getting, here's my ass, uh, a vision for you uh, that has made the difference? You know, I've been in program 38 years uh, uh, next month, and I finally have four years of abstinence. What what would you say? And thanks again, both. Hmm. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Thank you for that question. Um, I, too, um, have been in the regular OA rooms um, on and off for a good 30 years, and I did find um, some recovery. I was, I did maintain abstinence. I was able to sponsor, um, run meetings, shared at meetings, but then I'd always slowly, slowly slip back into relapse. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. Coming to vision has made a huge difference for me because it goes back to the source of the problem for me, which is expressed 
profoundly, simply, and beautifully in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's being able to know that my addiction to food is the same as the addiction of the alcoholic. And vision focuses solely on those teachings and those uh, stories of people who have fallen prey to their addiction. And that has kept it simple and black and white for me. It's made all the difference in the world, Mary, um, for me to know that I am truly powerless over this. It's, it's a physiological allergy, whatever term that you'd like to, new, to use. It's, it's a physical thing that I cannot control. It's not something I can do with my willpower. And for all those 30 years in program, in regular rooms, I kept thinking that, yes, I was turning my will over, but not really. I kept thinking it was up to me. So I would do all the different diets, you know, searching for all sorts of ways to change my body. You know, I was vegetarian, then I was a fruitarian, then I was, uh, you know, um, uh, fasting continuously or fasting every few days. I kept thinking I had to do it. So what I found in the big book, thank you, God, and thank you, all those beautiful, wonderful souls who brought this into being for us, um, is that I really am powerless, like I was when that wave came up behind me or when I tripped on the step. I am completely powerless in doing this myself. And coming to that realization came to me very directly and clearly by being in the vision room. And for me, it's simple and it's black and white. There are foods that I cannot have because they trigger the allergy. And when I mess with them, they change my life in a horrible way. And then I'm lost again. So it's, it's coming to vision, which focuses again entirely on the big book that has made the huge difference in my life and has helped me with the steps absolutely through the steps to change my life, to have my life changed actually. So thank you, Mary. I hope that answers your question. Yes. Thank you, Mary B for the question. Next, Sue B. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. And and thank you, uh, Lois, so much. I've Hi, learned Sue. a lot. Hi. And I'm, I have been a chronic relapser. I, I've gotten back into vision, and I'm praying that this will help me with this relapsing. But I get, and I've been told that I truly don't trust God um, because of my past and things that have happened. But can you help me with this? What do you do with a chronic relapser who's having trouble in in this way? Mm. That's that's a great question. Thank you. Um, I I know for myself that I really had to be uh, sick and tired of being, as we say, sick and tired. And I think getting to that point precedes any real connection. Uh, to a relationship with a higher power. You can pray for it and want it. But, you know, I think that divine presence can come just so close 
but we have to make the step into that union. And the way I made that step and the way I suggest you, you think about making a step is you really have to put aside the thing that stands between you and having a relationship with this unfathomable presence. And what stands between, what stood between that relationship for me was I was still relying on the substance. So if you're relapsing, Sue, it's, you're still relying on the substance. And I think, you know, we have to become, again, like little children, so to speak. We have to be vulnerable and open. And that means putting aside what you've been relying on all this time to live your life, putting aside that food and becoming vulnerable and open and sincere. And then I think the miracle begins to happen. So that's something that only you can find in your own heart if you're really ready to have that relationship. And I understand, you know, the concept that I was raised with, you know, with, with about God is that can be a concept that gets in the way. Even though my traditional religion was a beautiful religion, it, it kind of still got in the way of me having a, a daily communion with God, with a higher power. So you may want to also examine what your concept of God is. And if you have hurts and resentments towards God because things happened to you that you felt were unjust, this is where working with a sponsor and working through the steps and getting into the fourth step and and clearing out those old pains and turning them over truly maybe for the first time in your life turning them over to a new idea to a new a new presence a new reality of god that's where a, a major shift can occur so you know first you have to push aside what you're relying on now you have to open your heart and yourself and ask for help Come involved with a sponsor who's going to take you through the steps and come to a new term, come to new ideas about what this divine presence can be for you and just trust and just trust. And I think that's, that's pretty much all I can say about that. I, I hope it helps to some degree. Thank you, Sue, for your question. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you. And thank you, Sue B., for the question. Next question comes from Shauka. Hi, this is Shaukia J. from Ohio. And my question is, um, how do you, um, or how did you um, uh, relieve the the guilt that you had around um, the effect that the addiction had on your family as a, as a young, as a, as a teenager and, and does it still come up and, and how do you deal with that? Thank you, Shakia. Thank you for the question. Um, it, it, it changes. It, uh, no, it doesn't come up any longer because I've really surrendered that old identity 
You know, that's where we're living in the third dimension still, where we feel guilt, shame. We identify with our bodies. We think that's who we are. And we think that, you know, our thoughts and our feelings are all reality, which they are if we're living in what I call the third dimension. And I only know about the fourth dimension because my life has dramatically changed. And it, so those old feelings of guilt and um, self-degradation really have been transformed because I have met something much greater and much more beautiful that is a loving presence in my life that has healed me of those old, terrible feelings. And it comes through working the steps every day, listening to the meetings. I know I keep saying this, but this is where, this is the road. This is the road. This is the path. Um, Reaching out to others, working with a sponsor, and sincerely, sincerely and open-heartedly welcoming in something greater than yourself, trusting in that, knowing that truly something much bigger is going on here than our little minds would tell us and opening to that reality, to that presence. And then you find that these old feelings start to dissolve. They're, they're replaced, you know, with a sense of peacefulness and we're no longer focused. I'm no longer, you know, just focused on how I look and what I'm going to do in my life and how do people see me? Yes, those things are still there, but they're so small compared to the joy and to the relief of living in a world where I feel safe and protected. And I'm telling you, it's very challenging. Of course, if you're watching television every day, you're talking to other people every day, it keeps us bound in that third dimension. So I know what's going on in the world. I choose not to focus on that. I focus on living in the life of the spirit where I can be of service to other people, where I'm grateful. This is really important, and I really meant to bring this up gratitude is the state of being I try to live in every day, regardless of what is happening. I try to find the best and I trust that whatever God is bringing into my life, that there's a gem, a jewel for me. I really have to open to that possibility. And when you open to it, you will be amazed of what the change will be in your heart and your mind and in your life. Thank you so so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shalkia J., for your question. Next question comes from Anna S. Hi. Thank you so much, uh, Lois, for the wonderful presentation. And uh, of all the wonderful things you said, I think (laughs) for me the one that really popped out the most was when you described your um, taking your uh, making your 10th step daily, um, and you gave the example of someone cutting you off, um, you know, while driving. And um, I would just like you to uh, explain just a little bit further, you know, what that entails, please. Thank you. Sure. No, thank you. Thank you so much for that question. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are, I live in my body. I mean, I am my body, you know, um, I get cold, I get hot, I get annoyed. Um, When I'm driving, if somebody cuts me off, it's an instantaneous like annoyance for me, instantaneous. And, um, and other things too, if someone speaks to me in a way that I consider hurtful, yes, at that moment, I'm feeling hurt and maybe angry. So these normally, you know, human emotions 
they don't go away. I will just say that. So I'm not living in some saintly state here. I work on that, though. I do work with those feelings as, as I'm taught by doing the steps and working the 10 steps. When I feel these feelings, I know that's stopping me from feeling this exquisite relationship that really is available to me with this divine presence. And so I might get annoyed, upset, hurt. Every day I may have some of these feelings. That's why it's crucial to do a 10 step, I believe, every day. And you do it with another person. There's a, there's, there's a way to do a 10 step where you don't belabor what you're feeling about that person, whether it was your husband said something wrong or, you know, your daughter is upsetting you. Or, you know, you take those feelings. They're real. They're human. We're going to feel these things. But then they become transmuted through doing a 10th step by looking at, okay, so what is it that really bothered me about that? Did I want her to be different? Did I want him to say something other than what he said? Am, you know, am I looking to control him or her or it or them? You find the character flaws, as we call the character defects, within yourself, within myself, that have made me angry, annoyed, resentful, hurt, frightened. I look for the things within me that are creating that feeling. And then when I see them in terms of a character flaw, I'm able to surrender them because there is nothing, nothing compared to the peace of mind you will find when you get off those resentments and fears and, and judgments and, oh, why isn't it the way I want it to be? When you can dissolve those on a daily basis and have them transmuted by doing the 10th step, your life will just change dramatically. So it is a daily process. It's a daily practice that I encourage everyone uh, to do. So I hope that uh, that helps. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Anna S., for the question. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be our final invitation for questions. Star one to unmute if you'd like to pose a question to Lois. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Any other questions this morning? Star one, can you? Hannah C. Hannah C. Tamara C. Tamara C. Thanks, Tamara. Anyone else? Final invitation for questions. Kathy Jo P. And Kathy Jo P. Pam R. Pam R. All right, very good. Let's begin this final round of questions with Tamara C. Good morning. It's Tamara C. in South Carolina. Hi, Tamara. Hi. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I just had a quick quick question about how you um, kind of formed a, uh, or what the process was for you in terms of forming, I guess, what people call a God squad. 
How did hmm. you get your people? Ah, great question. Great, really. I, I got my God Squad primarily from the people who called me when I announced myself as a newcomer. Uh, when you announce yourself as a newcomer on the vision meeting, then people call you. Those people, several of those people, um, have st- have stayed with me. I've stayed with them, and they are part of my God Squad. Um, And also along the way, I've met some absolutely beautiful, wonderful people that I have invited to be on my God squad. So it really has to do with, um, you know, again, for me, it was the people who initially reached out to me to welcome me into vision. And um, also, if you have been around for a while and you're not a newcomer, then just listening to the meetings. And at the end of the meeting, after they announce, after newcomers are announced, sponsors are announced. And you can call any of them. And just, even if they're not available as a sponsor, you can just ask them, you know, if they would be on your God squad. Listening to any of the special edition talks on the website, a Vision for You website. You can look up the phone numbers of any of those people that have given special edition talks and give them a call or a text and invite them. So I have found just, you know, there's a heart connection. You might hear someone speak that really touches your heart. Find them on Vision for You website on the, uh, you know, on the list and call and invite them. So um, for me, it was a combination of both people who called me initially and also through my own outreach, once I would hear, once I heard someone speak and share, then I would uh, reach out to them. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Tamara C. Kathy Joe P. You're up. Good morning. This is Kathy Joe P. Recovered in Minneapolis. Thank you for your share today, Lois and. The things that stood out to me rocketed into the fourth dimension, surrendering when that wave was coming over you and feeling like you're living heaven on earth. I want to hear just a little bit more about the struggle, especially when you became entirely ready to surrender and how that happened for you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Jo. Um, This is, yeah, you know... Well, two two different things. You know, having lived my life really on self-will and thinking that was the way I was supposed to live and having a certain amount of praise or, you know, success in my life, you know, kept me kind of on a high thinking that I was doing pretty well in my life. Um, but it became so exhausting um, because I could never quite accomplish putting the food away putting it down, you know, I'd lose some pounds. I then certainly gain them back and even more. Um, I didn't understand that this was an allergy and that I was triggering my own allergy and addiction by having a little bit of that, a little bit of this. So I was still deluded. You know, I was still not knowing the truth of what I was dealing with, which was, you know, a physical and mental obsession. And you know, again, coming to vision made it very clear, very crystal clear. So it came to a point, Kathy Joe, for me, where, you know, one night in particular, I was giving a presentation on a Zoom meeting that was international, and um, and 
and I knew for sure what I wanted to say, and I was feeling real confident I was going to quote something from someone that I knew was listening online who was very important to me and I had great respect for, and I misquoted. And I was so sure I did it correctly. And then after the meeting was over, I thought, oh, no, oh, no. And I felt totally humiliated. All of these feelings of self-worthlessness came up in me, self-hatred, contempt, embarrassment. You know, for me, that was the crucible moment. I, I felt completely and utterly destroyed by my own sense of importance. To me, it was a gift. It was incredibly painful. It was excruciating because, again, all these people around the world, many of them that I knew, had heard my misstep. No one said anything, of course, but I knew it. So I had to be crushed, and I was. So that's what was the beginning, you know, um, to, to feel completely and utterly powerless. And, and when I fell on the steps and when the, when the ocean was about to, what I thought, take me away, there's that moment of, of real surrender. And that's what happened to me when I made what I thought a fool of myself on that Zoom meeting. I just surrendered into knowing that I was a real idiot. I couldn't do anything. I had swum out too far in that case. You know, I had carried too many heavy bags up the steps and it was raining. I mean, I realized at that moment I was completely and utterly powerless. And I think that's the crucial state of being. And we can talk about it and say, yes, I feel powerless. But no, you have to experience it in your whole being when you feel there's no other way out except to just surrender and please, God, please save me. Please help me. So it's a pivotal moment that I think each soul, each person truly has to find and to take, not just lip service, but a full being experience of completely and utter powerlessness. That's what changed it for me. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Kathy Joe P. Our final question this morning comes from Pam R. Thank you so much for your um, everything that you've offered us, Lois. And my question is, is you referenced, which uh, I understand you said was not OA-approved material, but a place where the special editions fall into categories with the steps and I was wondering if you were on the member list so we can email you as opposed to inundating you with phone calls and also how did you um, just along your journey how did you stumble across the website just wondering how you search for resources as to how to, to best sponsor yourself uh, thank you. Well, thank you for the question. Um, I think it, I'll, I'll defer to Leah on this. Um, I, I think it's best if, if um, you do call me about it or. That uh, is true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Why don't, yeah. Why don't you call me? I'll, I'll give my number at the end and I'll let you know how I found it. Okay. Um, yes. It's been a great help to me and to my sponsees. So I will give that information to you. Um, at the end once once you call me. 
Thank you for respecting our traditions. Much appreciated. Thanks for the question, Pam R. And thank you, Lois, for this very profound, faith-filled, thought-provoking, and instructive presentation this morning. Thank you for giving so much of yourself. And yeah. uh, appreciate well, thank it you. very thank much. You, very thank you, Leah. Spirit-filled presentation this morning. Thank you. The sheer ID for this presentation, 16,914. That's 16914. Let's close now from a page I'm sure we're all familiar with, page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Can't hear it enough, right? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.